for the yards. Clary to the crease. Open door to make. Oh, my goodness. Spinning around between the legs. He's got five of the yards by two. My goodness gracious. How you guys doing tonight? Ladies and gentlemen. This is Higgins and Sacco. All right, everybody, welcome in here. Halfway through the week, Wednesday here in the Cuse. Brian Higgins, Mario Sacco, lots to get to today on the program. Talk women's lacrosse uh, later on. Emily Harris, Chuck, officially breaking Kayla Trainer's goal-scoring record in the Dome yesterday. We'll hit the Dome a little bit. It's uh, getting more and more official now that the uh, carrier name will be officially off it. Apparently, uh, May 1st is going to be a, a day where that uh, contract uh, no longer is in effect, so we'll talk about that as uh, we go on throughout the hour. But we sit here today, Mario. We are eight days shy of day one, round one of the NFL draft uh, this year. And uh, with that off the top of the program today, we bring in our uh, guest this afternoon. He is Jim Nagy. He is the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, which is you know one of the main stops on the way of major prospects and executives and coaches and scouts on uh, the way to the draft. And, uh, Jim, uh, great to have you on. I know our friend Adam Terry does some uh, good work with you down at the Senior Bowl, so really appreciate a, a few minutes today as uh, you lead up here to this exciting draft week coming up. Yeah, guys, appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Adam was a big part of our week this week, having him down here and uh, working with our offensive line crew. So, yeah, appreciate you guys uh, having me on today. All right, Jim. Uh, I think if you can just explain a bit to our listeners, I think we're all aware of the idea of these, you know, college football postseason all-star games and all that. And, you know, what you see as a viewer is uh, just the game that's on uh, TV. But I think we know it's more than that. The practice week is more important. What what do people get out of in the beginning of the draft process when you look at the players, uh, the scouts, the coaches, the executives that basically all descend on Mobile with you for that week uh, in early February? Uh, well, what they're getting, they're seeing the best against the best um, in this year's draft. So like, like last year, we had 106 guys drafted out of the game. It was 41% of last year's entire draft class. So you're seeing a lot of small school players or group of five players that are getting, get a chance to play up. Um, against, you know, SEC and Big Ten and ACC guys that were our actual, you know, NFL guys. So great, great showcase for those guys. Um, you know, great, great showcase for players. Like we had a couple guys in this year's game that are going to be, you know, probably day two picks. Um, like Jalen Petrie, a safety from Baylor, or Perrion Winfrey, a D-tackle from Oklahoma that were used a certain way in college that, that came down here and working with, uh, you know, an NFL staff were used differently, um, able to show a different type of skill set. So, you know, and then for all these guys, it's just, you know, the opportunity to compete and show who they are and, um, you know, how they've learned football and process football and take coaching. There's just so many great takeaways for these decision makers that, that are exposed to them for a full week. I mean, it's really the, the only part in the process, you know, starting from our game through, through the draft where you get a full week with these guys uh, and you get to see them in a lot of different, a lot of different uh, ways, you know, on the field, off the field, the interviews, um, some behind the scenes stuff and just seeing who they are interacting with new teammates. Um, so the teams that come down here and, re, you know, really have their sleeves, sleeves rolled up. Um, there's a, there's a ton of takeaways, just, just a ton. Well, if you can put up with Adam Terry, uh, I'm greatly impressed. Uh, all, jo- <laughs> all jokes aside, do you see a clear-cut favorite as to a number one pick in this NFL draft? Obviously, years past, I mean, you can go back and, and kind of see who that favorite is going to be. But this year, to me, I, I see it kind of wide open. 
Yeah, I think there's probably, you know, two or three guys. It's not, you know, last year with Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville and, and the year before Joe Burrow going to Cincinnati. Yeah, we, there's definitely not that guy. Um, but it, it, it's a small, you know, you're talking about two or three guys. So, you know, Trayvon Walker, uh, defensive lineman from Georgia, who's, who's uh, you know, probably the highest ceiling player in the draft. I mean, it's justified where he's being talked about in the draft right now. And you look about what he can be six foot four, 275 pound guy that, that ran in the low four fives. So, I mean, he, he ran better than a lot of corners at the, at the draft at the combine this year. So, uh, you know, the same Aiden Hutchinson, the Heisman trophy finalist from Michigan, uh, really good football player, really, you know, I hate saying safe pick because that can carry a certain connotation. Aiden's going to be a really good player wherever he goes. Um, and then probably the third guy would, that's kind of separated himself at offensive tackle would be Iki Aquanu from NC State. Uh, it's probably one of those three guys, but certainly not a slam dunk guy like there was in most years. Let's say if Iki wants to still be on the board at number five for my Giants, I will not have any complaints uh, whatsoever if uh, uh, that goes <laughs> down. Uh, Syracuse fans saw him be very large and impossible to get around uh, with the Wolfpack for the last uh, few years. Uh, the guy was just a stud the last couple of years, certainly in college. Uh, Jim Nagy of the Senior Bowl is our guest, and uh, Jim, you mentioned it. Some years there, is, you know, there's a clear cut number one, and very often it's a quarterback. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence, and you know the list is long with that. And, and guys like that don't necessarily have a ton to prove at events like yours this year uh, that is not the case at quarterback you had Malik Willis there you had Kenny Pickett there Desmond Ritter is kind of in a mix to maybe be uh, the third or fourth guy this year you had Sam Howell there Q's fans saw him at North Carolina uh, what was the focus like on quarterbacks uh, this year of all years at the Senior Bowl knowing that you know top quarterback in the draft is a legitimately uh, a thing that's on the line this year yeah, it was it was a good year. Uh, you know, you look back at you know, over the even the last you know five six years. I mean, we've had Russell Wilson, we've had Dak Prescott, but those guys were you know those guys got picked later. They were you know third fourth round picks. We've had we've had high guys. We've had Justin Herbert. We've had Josh Allen. Um, but you know this year, I mean this this crew was different in the sense that uh, there was really no order. Uh, if you talk to the NFL teams. Even now, um, it's kind of a jumbled mess when you talk to them about where they got these guys ranked. But yeah, Kenny Pickett, Malik Willis, Desmond Ritter, Sam Howell, I think all four of those guys will end up going in the first round. I think uh, you throw in Matt Corral from Ole Miss, who is the one guy we didn't have out of the top six or seven guys in this year's draft because yeah, he, he was a junior. He wasn't eligible to play. Um, he could be in the first round as well. So you're going to see a bunch of them go. I think, uh, you know, are any of them slam dunk? Uh, franchise quarterbacks, no, but either was Josh Allen, you know, like, um, he, no, nobody, nobody saw that for him. Buffalo took a shot and they got rewarded on, you know, taking a guy with really high end traits. So, um, and the other unique thing, like they're all different, their skill sets are all different and they're different as people too. If you spend time around all these guys, they've got different personalities, different leadership styles. So I think that's, you know, they're going to attract different teams. Um, so it's going to be really intriguing where they all come off on, on next Thursday. But I, I would think five will probably go in the first round. I want to go back to that. And Josh Allen being down there, you know, what was the talk about him at the time? And now you see the quarterback that he's become. 
Yeah, the thing with the quarterbacks, they really get picked apart um, through the draft process. You know, every little flaw gets exposed, and you know, they're, because they because they are such a lightning rod in the media, and everyone wants to talk about them. Um, just going back on my my time, the last three years doing stuff for ESPN, that I feel like that's all we wanted. They all that's all they wanted to talk about was quarterbacks. Um, so they do get picked apart. You know, Josh's accuracy was the big thing. He's a, a big, strong kid with a hose for an arm. Um, but, you know, people picked apart the accuracy. I just think, you know, Josh was similar to Justin Herbert. Um, both of those guys had really good junior years and then lost some NFL talent um, around them and then came back as seniors and didn't have, they weren't playing with a lot. Um, and I think you can kind of talk in that same vein with Malik Willis this year from Liberty, like had to do a lot on his own. Um, and you had to play a certain style and maybe developed a, a few bad habits that NFL teams will want to retrain now. But he was just doing what he had to do to, to help his team win games this year. So, uh, yeah, I just remember, Josh, you, you know, physically was really fun to watch throw in practice. That was the year before I took over here at the Senior Bowl. Um, but he would spray the ball a little bit. And, uh, you know, the fact that Brian Dayball and the staff up there in Buffalo have, have tightened up the accuracy. I mean, now he's an MVP-level player. So it just goes to show these guys all aren't perfect coming out of college. But uh, with good coaching and development and patience, um, you know, they can get better. All right, Jim. Uh, I mean, we talk a lot about the quarterbacks and, and, you know, Malik or Kenny, depending how it comes out. I'd imagine one of them at minimum will end up being uh, a top 10 pick in in this year's draft. That's just the way it goes for quarterbacks. But just looking through the roster you guys assembled this year, my my best bet would be Jermaine Johnson, uh, formerly of Georgia this year of FSU, who has terrorized uh, the ACC from the D-line this year, is the most likely to be uh, a top 10 pick that you guys had your hands on uh, this year. What what did you see out of Jermaine in, in that setting i mean we saw him dominate this season but how did he do during senior bowl week he had a good week um you know he had a good week in the pass rush stuff but really what got overlooked was some of the stuff in the nine on seven inside run periods he's just a he's a combative player at the point of attack he's hard to run against um because he's physical he can hold up out there and then he plays really hard uh, you know, that's, that's the thing you love about him. He's got a great motor. He, he transferred to Florida state. Everyone knows that he was kind of, he was log jam there at Georgia. Wasn't getting on the field a bunch. I think he only played about 200 snaps this junior year. So transfers to FSU for more opportunity plays over 800 snaps. So he played four times as many snaps this year for Florida state wins ACC defensive player of the year. And what stood out down here was just his competitiveness. I mean, he plays really hard. He's really physical, combative guy. Um, and yeah, I think if we do have outside of the quarterbacks, a guy going in the, I think, I think we're going to have nine or 10 first round picks out of the game. And, but Jermaine's probably the one guy that's got a chance of going up there real high. Everyone looks at Jim, the, the, the combine, so to say, and all these flashy numbers, but the first time these guys get a chance is with you guys down there. Can you walk us through, you know, what a daily week is? is with all these NFL GMs around and you know you got former NFL guys helping to lead out NFL coaching staffs oh, what's that like day in and day out that these guys are going through with you guys well it's a great opportunity for all these guys but it's also high stress um, you know the the NFL is a really hard league it's a it's a hard league to get in to get there it's harder to stay I'm sure you can talk to Adam about that I mean it's it's tough so um, by design it's a it's a stressful week for them I mean they're they're meeting new teammates, having to learn new teammates um, in a new environment. They're with an NFL coaching staff for the first time who, you know, probably does it differently than the way they did it in college. I'm sure the meeting structure was different. You know, some of the practice tempo is different. Um, learning a new playbook. I mean, they get the playbook handed to them on Monday morning, 
and uh, they got to get out there Tuesday afternoon and, and start starting applying it to the field. So, you know, and then all the interviews they get. Uh, each player gets four different cracks to get with every NFL team. They get, you know, they're they're guaranteed 15 minutes with every team. Um, but if the team structure it right, they've got four different opportunities to get in front of every team. So um, there's a lot. There's a lot being thrown at them. We have a community service day on Friday, so we get to see how the guys interact at the children's hospitals and the food banks and stuff. And then game day is the fun day. Then they can all just get out there on Saturday and let it rip. So, um, but it is, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot goes into the week and um, it certainly is a great opportunity. Bring up the combine and that's kind of the glitzy event. The NFL league office has really propped that event up over the years. But when you talk to evaluators, like what's more meaningful, what a guy does in shorts and helm, you know, shorts and t-shirts or, you know, in, in pads and helmets with 21 other guys on the field. I mean, I think this is the purest evaluation. All right, Jim, know you're busy this afternoon, so uh, one last thing for you. Uh, What's the hit rate uh, of the guys uh, that go to uh, your event at the Senior Bowl that go on the draft? Uh, How much do you guys track that, how well your guys uh, do uh, going on to their NFL career? Yeah, that's what it's all about for us is the draft. Everyone asks, you know, how'd you, people around town, how'd you guys do this year? Well, I'm like, we don't know yet. We'll see. (laughs) We'll see on on draft day. Like I said, last year, 41% of that draft class played in the game, 106 guys. It was the first time we ever hit triple digits. Um, you know, we're usually around 85%. And the, the number that I, the number that, that we take a lot of pride in is, uh, in the last three years, since we got here three years ago, um, over 89% of our guys have made active rosters as rookies in the NFL. So, um, pretty good hit rate there. You know, even our guys that don't get drafted a lot, you know, most of them end up making 53 men rosters. So, uh, I tell the guys at orientation, you're sitting in these chairs right now, nine out of 10 of you are, are, are going to play in the national football league. The stats show that. So, um, but we'll see, we'll see what, we'll see what happens with this year's crew next Thursday and Friday and Saturday. Uh, yeah, not many rooms on earth other than literally an NFL locker room where you can say, uh, something like that. All right, uh, Jim, really appreciate the time here. No, it's a busy week for you and enjoy the draft next week. That's where it all comes true for you guys. Yeah, Phyllis, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Say hi to Adam for me. Will do. That is uh, Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese Senior Bowl. And uh, he mentions uh, Adam Terry. Adam, uh, obviously our analyst uh, for the Q's football games, was down there uh, working with the O-linemen this year. Uh, Mario, and, uh, pretty cool. And so, you know, for you know, you're a Steelers guy, I'm a Giants guy, the Bills fans, the Jets fans out there. Like when you get to the, like, the middle rounds, Mario, and you say, okay, who's this guy our team just drafted? Maybe go check the rosters of the Senior Bowl this year. And uh, I'm going to bet you're going to feel better about life if you see the guy's name there, because I think those guys are more likely to succeed in the NFL than uh, another random guy your team might pick in in the fourth round. Yeah, and, you know, Tomlin and his staff, and, you know, you see what's cool is these guys are working out in front of NFL coaching staffs now. So Mm -hmm. they're down there, and if it be, you know, what, two years ago, uh, you know, the Lions head coach uh, was in, in charge of it, so... You know, you see guys getting that taste right away of what it's like to play in the NFL and, and to be coached by an NFL coach. So that's pretty cool. And, you know, success rate speaks for itself, as he mentioned. You know, 9 out of 10 guys sitting in that chair are, are going to be playing in the NFL, and that's a pretty tough roster to cut when you got 52 guys on a team. Yeah, this year the uh, the coaching staffs that were in Mobile uh, this week, the Jets uh, staff had one of the teams, the Lions staff had the other team, so they got a little edge on the, uh, the evaluation there, but will certainly be interesting as we sit now eight days out from the NFL draft, and uh, the New York teams all over the top ten, the Jets and the Giants each have uh, two of the top ten picks 
in uh, this upcoming draft. So looking forward to that. As mentioned off the top, it's not really new uh, news today about the Dome, but it is at least halfway official about the future of the soon-to-be former Carrier Dome. We'll get into that when uh, we come back and uh, have some women's lacks uh, to talk as we go forward as well. There's a new all-time goal scorer in the history of the program, and her name is Emily Harris-Chuck. So we'll tell you about all that as we move on throughout our hour. It is Higginson Sacco here on this Wednesday in the Q's, uh, QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. <laughs> This is Higgins and Sacco. All right, Higgins and Sacco rolling along here on a Wednesday. To talk a little football with Jim Nagy there to start off. He is the executive director of the uh, Racy's Senior Bowl. Uh, Mario, we'll definitely be talking some uh, more specifically Q's football tomorrow. No Q's guys of the Senior Bowl uh, this year, but uh, we'll have Dino Babers to kick off our show tomorrow at uh, 3 o'clock. So he'll be joining us here. It'll be uh, good to chat with Dino tomorrow. I, I think uh, Mario will get you know, a, a little spring recap, but uh, there are several Q's guys. I don't know if they'll be drafted, but they'll certainly be in the mix. We can get uh, Dino's thoughts on that, and really, uh, I'll be intrigued to see how they they plan on attacking the offseason. I mean, they put in new offenses and stuff like that with Robert and I, and, and you look at Jason Beck. But uh, that's going to be interesting how they go through the offseason uh, this year, knowing knowing you got Garrett Schrader and the whole deal, knowing you got new offensive coaches. I know spring ball is a big part of that, but uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, summer stuff they need to work around their quarterback. And uh, I'll be intrigued tomorrow to see what Dino has to say about all that. Yeah, and how they used, you know, spring ball. Obviously, in the spring game, we didn't see Garrett Schrader at all. But mm-hmm. how, you know, he grasped another offensive coordinator, you know, and he said that I think he said this is his fourth offensive coordinator, uh, Brian, <laughs> in his time being in college. And he's still only what would be listed as a junior, I do believe, next year. So uh, that's a lot of offensive coordinators in, in a short period of time to, to grasp the knowledge. But he's got, you know, a great one in, in Robert and I and Jason Beck. Uh, their resume speaks for itself, what they've been able to do at Virginia uh, with that offense. Yeah, his two years at Mississippi State, he, he had the Joe Moorhead uh, crew that he got recruited by, then they get blown out, then he's got Mike Leach, what is as different than uh, than whatever Mike Leach has uh, going on, then he transfers here, so obviously it's, it's Dino's system, and now it's whatever next year's system is going to be. I, I, I think, and I'm sure Dino's going to play it close to the vest and uh, from tomorrow through September when we actually see him in a real game, but I'm sure it's going to be some combination of whatever it is and I does, which you look last year at Virginia and Brennan Armstrong was winging it all over the place, but that is not always what he did. I mean, he, he always played to the strength of his quarterback. So I, I think they're going to take Schrader, take that, take the Dino system and, mesh it all together and we'll see what kicks out the other end maybe we'll get the maybe we'll see if dino knows what the new dome is going to be called <laughs> as of, uh, officially today uh, the university saying what we've now known for the last uh whatever it is four, five five ish days now I believe that officially came out on a saturday morning with the news breaking uh, via sportico that uh, the carrier name on the dome would be no more what, what popped out to me mario in uh, the article on cues.com today was that and again read into it whichever way you want I, I could read it either way but 
effectively May 1st, Syracuse can rename the Dome from Carrier. It doesn't sound like there will actually be a new name on the building on May 1st, which is a week and a half from now. Uh, but that that is Sunday. There's a lacrosse game in the Dome Sunday, Syracuse and Notre Dame. So uh, I'll be there for that. And uh, who knows where I'll be? Uh, I guess I'll figure that out when I get to the Dome on Sunday morning, what building I'm in. But uh, th- this is suddenly starting to move pretty quick, Mario. This was taking a long time. This is years and years and years. Now, all of a sudden, the last two weeks, this is going light speed right now. Yeah, and it's just a matter of what. At that time, I think, you know, the carrier name being wiped from everything, and we're not going to have a name on that stadium, I, I wouldn't guess, until maybe in the summer uh, before football season starts. But, yeah, the, the wheels are turning pretty quickly, and uh, Brent Axe has John Wildhack on later on today. So, you know, maybe get a little bit more details as to what uh, goes on within those negotiations. But, uh Whatever you're going to be doing, you'll be calling a lacrosse game. You'll just be at the stadium uh, come that May 1st game. Yes, I will be at a uh, building with a roof on it in which sports are played on Sunday, May 1st. On uh, this upcoming Saturday, I'll be at the Carrier Dome. And that's only eight days later in the same place. So we'll see how uh, see how that goes. Uh, we'll, we'll get to women's lacrosse in a little bit. They played in the Dome uh, last night with uh, a win over Albany. Strong first half, sluggish second half, with the news being that Emily Harris-Chuck broke Kayla Trainer's goal-storing record. We'll hit on that a little bit. But uh, a little more uh, football now here. And interesting to hear uh, Jim Nagy talking about the draft. They have uh, the main quarterbacks this year. Because uh, there is no, you know, absolute number one guy. There was no Joe Burrow uh, this year. There was no Trevor Lawrence. There were, there aren't any of these surefire number one overall no brainers that don't need to do anything outside of show up for the draft and, and go number one. And uh, you look at Jermaine Johnson out of uh, Florida State. He is potentially a top 10 guy, potentially a top 10 guy to the Giants. I've seen him mock there at uh, number seven in uh, multiple recent mock drafts. So interesting today, Mario, uh, Joe Sheen, uh, while you were out and about today uh, um, about Central New York, uh, he spoke for the, the Giants and addressed the idea of potentially trading back out of one of those picks, which realistically would be done if somebody wants one of those senior bowl quarterbacks and Malik Willis or Kenny Pickett, and he was very, he was exceedingly non-committal, which I guess you would be if you're the Giants at GM right now. But you know, as a Giants fan, I, I'm very interested to see if the Giants try to wheel and deal because I, I figure as much as you want one of those old linemen or a pass rusher or one of the top talents in this year's draft at five and seven, Mario, if no quarterback is gone at five. Like, you got to shop that, don't you, Mario? And just at least see if you're getting something reasonable back. Because if those teams start getting itchy about a quarterback at five and seven around the Panthers who need a quarterback themselves at six, the the Giants may suddenly hold the key to the first round at that point of the draft. Yeah, it's all what you can create as far as right now. It's all smoke and mirrors with with these GMs and and talking of trading back or, you know, uh, everyone obviously wants to accumulate picks and and get the best guys, but – if you're the Giants, realistically, and none of these quarterback are, are you sold on your quarterback, Brian? The quarterback that you have? No. Okay. I, I don't I, think anybody in the like if any Giants fan or anybody in the Giants organization says they are sold that Daniel Jones is going to be the starting quarterback, not in 2022, but so, in 2023, they're lying. Uh, like that's that. Now, I, I think Daniel's may, like maybe, but he's shown me nothing in four years that he is 100% the 
the the future of the franchise. And I say that, and I'm being a Steelers fan. My number one glaring weakness is the quarterback position, and and we're not right. a, a franchise that trades up to to get guys. We've traded up before, you know, Troy Polamalu. We traded up to get him. Obviously, that worked out pretty well. Roethlisberger, um, you know, but is Pittsburgh a team that, that needs to jump up and, and grab a quarterback? And I, I know Tomlin loves Malik Willis. Um, I don't see him being there uh, for the Steelers pick. And that's why I said you got these teams back behind the Giants that do need a quarterback that could jump up and, and, and swap with them. But is the quarterback the number one concern with the Giants right now? Question mark. I would say no right now, but obviously there's other holes to fill on that team, and, and there's other guys that I think you would be getting better value uh, with the pick that the Giants have if they could trade back a little. Uh, yeah, I mean, if if the Giants end up sticking at five and seven, like likely you're getting two good players. Like that's not a bad option uh, to sit there and get an offensive tackle. You can book in with Andrew Thomas and a wide and, receiver. Uh, yeah, or a wideout. I'd be kind of against a wideout uh, this year because you've invested draft capital in that last year with Kadarius Tony and spent a, an unbelievable amount of money on Kenny Galladay for a completely lost season last year. But, uh, I mean, there's wideouts there that would be legitimate options. Uh, some of the uh, quarterbacks are defensive backs out there. Some of the pass rushers, a guy like Jermaine Johnson. Yeah. I mean, whatever you want. There's some good football players uh, there, I think the question is, if you're the Giants and the other teams, like honestly, if you were the Giants this year and you looked at Malik Willis yeah. or Kenny Pickett, and I don't look at either this way, but if you want to look at them that way uh, and say their picks, I'd say you take one regardless of the fact that you have Daniel Jones, but you also must be mindful that, okay, you decided you needed a quarterback four years ago and you took Daniel Jones at sixth overall when it's very possible that not a not a single other team in the draft would have taken him in the first round. So you cannot do something like that. And Mario, I'd say the other thing, if you can get something to move back to wherever, that is more about maybe having ammo in next year's draft if you think that draft has better quarterbacks and say, well, uh, we're either going to get two good picks next year or we'll have the ammo to go get a guy next year where we think they're better. So I, I guess that's... If you're Joe Shane, if you're Brian Dayball, you almost, uh, Mara, don't you? You have to be get a jump on evaluating next year's quarterbacks, which is really hard to do uh, against this year's against Daniel Jones, and figure out how you toss that into a blender and come out with somebody that can play quarterback in 2023. It's just a question of when are these teams going to get trigger happy to to go mm -hmm. up and, and get a quarterback if if quarterbacks start coming off the board. And we talked about there is no, I mean, clear cut. I thought Kenny Pickett was fantastic, and what he did for Pitt this year uh, was unbelievable. And, and I thought watching in person him to Malik Willis, there was no comparison. I thought it was Kenny was better than Malik Willis. But, you know, a, as Jim Nagy mentioned, you know, Malik had less of a team around than, than what Kenny was thrown to. Kenny was thrown to the Blitnikoff winner compared to what Malik Willis was thrown to. So, I mean... When do you take a quarterback and when do these teams get happy? You talked about Carolina at six. That might be the first time you know you, you see one come off the board, if it be a Malik Willis, if it be a Kenny Pickett. You know, all the talk coming into the year, Brian, was Sam Howell. And, mm -hmm. you know, he, he slid down the board. Um, you know, not the year that he thought he was going to have at North Carolina, but uh, I, I still think he's a good quarterback. Is he a, a first-round quarterback? I don't know, but, you know, we'll find out. 
No, he fits, uh, you know, like Jim Nagy told us at the beginning, like the year Josh Allen got picked and guys like that who had lost all their guys, like Sam Howell lost basically an NFL offense from two years ago. He didn't have his guys this last year. Well, you go to an NFL team, you by the nature of it, you have NFL guys around you. So be uh, watching out for that first round of the NFL draft. You can hear it right here on ESPN Radio a week from tomorrow night, second and third round next Friday, and the remainder of the draft coming up next Saturday. Let's hit a break now. When we come back, a little look at women's lacrosse. Emily Harris-Chuck is the new all-time leader in goals in the history of the women's lacrosse program, breaking Kayla Trainer's record last night. We'll hear from both Emily and her coach, who happens to be Kayla Trainer, who had the record before Emily just took it. We'll hear that when we come back here on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse Sports Talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco. That it is. All right, a little football talk. We'll table that till tomorrow. Again, Dino Babers on the program tomorrow, right off the top of the show at 3 o'clock. So do be on right away uh, tomorrow to catch Dino Babers with us this week. Uh, yesterday in the still carrier dome, Emily Harris struck four goals in the Oranges win over Albany. Hugely, they're up 12 2. I think it was at the half. Sloppy second half. Uh, Kayla Trainer wasn't really enthused about her team's uh, effort yesterday, but all were excited for Harris Chuck, the new all time leading goal scorer, 262 in her career, breaking Kayla Trainer's record of 260 set six years ago. Uh, and here was Emily after the game. It's, I mean, I love playing with Coop. I love playing with Mag. I love, you know, all the teammates that I've had over the course of the last six years. But, you know, if, if you could leave any legacy behind, forget the records, it would be to inspire others. So, you know, even looking up in the stands today and seeing all the, all the young girls, it's, you know, I, I think that's, that's part of the reasons why you play. And I think having the opportunity to play here at Syracuse, Syracuse across is like no other. So um, I know that there's so many young kids out there who aspire to one day put on this jersey. So I'm just, I'm truly thankful to be able to wear it and play with, with, with players like these guys. Uh, she was up there on the, the post-game uh, podium last night with Megan Tyrell, this year's leading scorer, and Sarah Cooper, the All-American defender, who actually scored a goal last night, the the second of her career. Uh, Mary, uh, you know, we, we've been around Emily for a long time here, and legitimately it's six years with the COVID year and the, the knee injury last year. I, I can remember interviewing her down at Chapel Hill after she had like, the first really big game against a big team of her career. That was back in 2017 when they beat Carolina. It was a long time ago. So, you know, she's had some extra years. That helps with getting a record. But it's pretty cool to hear somebody so appreciative of something like that. That's not a me, me, me thing, which it could be when it's scoring a lot of goals. That's somebody that I think enjoyed having six years worth of teammates involved in her accomplishment last night. Not only having six years worth of teammates, she understands what it means to – to take over that record. You're taking it over for your head coach, who is, you know, arguably the all-time greatest women's lacrosse player at Syracuse. Obviously, Katie Roan, who stood across the sidelines from them, uh, a great in her own right at, at SU. But it's also neat that she's from right down the road, Brian. Uh, you know, went to Vic- mm-hmm. Victor High School. Uh, and, and both, you know, her and trainer, New York, you know, women's lacrosse players, staying in, in New York and carrying on that legacy at Syracuse and, and creating the legacy uh, and, you know, having her pass yesterday was unbelievable. Just hearing her talk of, you know, the admiration she has for the game of lacrosse, you know, growing up playing it, you know, watching Kayla Trainer play, watching these players play at SU, 
wanting to be that and then stepping in and and you knew right away you mentioned 2017 the first time I saw her, I was like who is this person uh woman mm-hmm. out there playing for Syracuse right now because she's going to be really really good well she turned out now to to be the all-time goal scorer in SU history and you mentioned it. I mean, literally in the building last night, Kayla Trainer coaching uh, Syracuse, who was the all-time leading goal scorer, is second all-time Syracuse in points. Leader all-time in points was the head coach of the other team, was Katie Rowan. All three of them are, are New York uh, natives. Uh, you mentioned Harris Chuck from the Rochester area, and uh, Rowan and Trainer both from the Capital Region. And here was trainer after the game you know talking about the idea happy for emily but talking about how this has been a lengthy lineage now for syracuse at that position well it's awesome and i think you know something that's so amazing about syracuse lacrosse and and really what gary's created here but they call it attacker you and it's a place where the top attackers in the country want to come and want to play and you know, I feel very fortunate that I was able to be one of those attackers here and get the chance to play um, in Orange here in the Dome. So I think, you know, for Emily, it's just it's awesome that she was inspired by a group of players, you know, that were amazing attackers. And she, you know, was able to fulfill that herself and, you know, was able to be one of these next level attackers. And again, she's a huge reason is why this place is called Attacker You. So um, she's certainly left a legacy here. I guess we got to start calling it Attacker You now. That's good branding by uh, by the K Train uh, there. But you look at the lineage and, and you go back uh, to Rowan, specifically the attack spots. We talked about Trainer, and uh, she played with the likes of Michelle Tumalo, who's currently Army's head coach. She's a Jersey native. Uh, Alyssa Murray, who's from. Uh, Long Island is up there on the all-time uh, record licks, and, and now it's right into, uh, you look at Harris Chuck and now the Tyrell sisters and Megan Carney and Emma Ward uh, when she's back from injury going on. It is one heck of a lineage, isn't it, Mary, at this spot of the field? And if you want to talk about excitement and women's lacrosse and what you come to the game to watch, it's that. It's those players who do it with some flair and they put the ball in the back of the net. And Syracuse has had that going on for uh, 15 years or so now. Can we trademark? attacker you right now i i know she said it but can we get that trademark real quick that way we can uh, i mean uh, maybe kayla's already done it she's sharp she she might not have said that if she hadn't already hadn't already been to the office to, to get that taken care of. <laughs> but i mean you just mentioned all of the women's lacrosse players their names and you know it's only a matter of time before other jerseys are, are hung up in the rafters at the stadium or whatever you're calling it these days um but besides that it's the next generation now and it's carried on that you know Emily got to play for Gary Gate, the greatest men's lacrosse player. She's playing for, you know, Kayla Trainer now, Megan Tyrell. You mentioned Emma Tyrell. And who's going to be the next? And I'm sure it's just a matter of time that, you know, you see these names at Syracuse, and it's not a coincidence that they're coming and playing here at SU uh, because look what you get to do. You know, look at Emily Harris, Chuck, mm-hmm. uh, right down the road saying, you know, I want to come here and play at SU and put on that jersey and, Turns out to be the all-time goal scorer. Is that going to happen for everyone? Uh, no, but obviously they're getting the top talent in here, and and it, they're staying around. They're staying in the state of New York too, and, and not going anywhere. Uh, yeah, that that might as well just be a recruiting statement by uh, Kayla Trainer uh, last night because hey, the youngsters uh, listen to what she has to say. If you're you know a high school sophomore or junior or whatever, and you're you're working on that uh, decision, and you see that the 
old all-time leading goal scorers, the coach talking about the new one, which is your player and the whole deal. Like that's a, that's a pretty good <laughs> uh, list of things to look at. If you are a, an upcoming uh, girls, high school player, youth player, uh, whatever. And you, you see uh, the lineage there is pretty cool. And uh, that's going to continue uh, later this week, Mario Friday, they go to BC. How about rolling right into a national title game rematch at six o'clock on Friday on ESPNU. And somehow this orange team, despite the injuries, Mario, it makes no sense. Makes no sense at all. Didn't make any sense last year. I have no idea how they made the title game last year, and they did. And if anything, they're more injured this year than last year. But my goodness, what a, what a game that is setting up to be Friday night in Chestnut Hill. Final regular season game. Trainer going against her old team with her other old team. <laughs> Talk about storylines for a regular season women's lacrosse game. Friday night's got everything you might want in a game like this. The storylines are, you know, from here to all the way to downtown from where I'm sitting in the, in the studio right now, but that's a huge game. Yes, you can talk about matchups, the you know Charlotte North matchup, Kayla going against her old coach, but as far as ACC standings are concerned, Brian, that is a very big game. Both teams are five and or Syracuse is six and one. Uh, Boston College is five and two uh, in the ACC, and that game likely, you know, will be for second place because Duke right now is also tied with Syracuse at six and one. Duke beat Boston College, mm-hmm. so uh, when you're looking at the ACC tournament, and you know you don't want to play North Carolina in the semifinals, um, obviously those top four teams, anyone can beat anyone. Uh, right now we're seeing you know North Carolina the clear cut favorite. But, you know, throw them in a hat, and, and those four teams are, are, are going to be there. But, you know, you want to avoid North Carolina if you have to until the ACC championship game. So that has a lot of, on the line as far as seedings are concerned for the ACC tournament. Remember, there is a women's tournament this year. Obviously, no men's mm-hmm. tournament on the ACC side in lacrosse. And it expanded a women's tournament this year. It's now four days, two weeks. It's wild. <laughs> There's an eight versus nine game on Wednesday. The quarterfinals are on a Friday, the semifinals are on Sunday, and then the two teams left, and that's all at Notre Dame, yeah. the two teams left then take a week off and go to the highest remaining seed a week from Saturday. So this thing is going to take a while to play out, and the Orange Shell would have much better situation in it if they could knock off BC on Friday night. But again, congratulations to Emily harris last night in the Dome, passing Kayla Trainer all-time leading goal scorer in Syracuse women's lacrosse history. All right, let's hit our final break of the day. We'll come back and wrap things up right after this. It's Higgins and Sacco on a Wednesday afternoon here in the Qs on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Higgins and Sacco. All right, last few minutes here. If you're listening to Orange Nation, we're trying to figure out if a smoke machine would actually set off a smoke detector. We're very glad that Pauly did not figure that out earlier today, so we could uh, have a show. But uh, the other uh, topic from last night is Garrett Cole, the Yankees' bajillion-dollar pitcher, is just getting lit all season long. He was uh, one of the uh, main sticky stuff guys (laughs) that we've heard about, Mario, in the last few years. Uh, What do do you make of the, the Yankees' ace, uh, just a slow start here or something they should uh, legit be worried about in the Bronx? No, there's a problem there. 1.2 innings last night, walked five batters, struck out three. I, I, there's something wrong, obviously. And, you know, Scott Blewett said about the slickness of the baseball. These guys are pitching right now in cold weather. Um, will it change come, obviously, May or, or June? 
Uh, I would be a little bit worried if I was a New York Yankees fan, but you know, it's Garrett Cole, and he still does have electric stuff. Um, it's a matter of figuring it out, I guess. I'm I'm now curious, and we're also trying to figure this out. Like it is, it is now it's centuries old. It is tradition in baseball to figure out a way to cheat and not get caught. Or cheat and have it within the rules, whether it be a spitter or the sticky stuff, or, or getting sandpaper glued to your finger, or the the hot pot of coffee in the seventies, or you know the late nineties where just nobody cared and everybody was uh, juicing up and uh, hitting dingers. I, I'm very curious, Mario, like what the next uh, the next thing is going to be. Maybe it's already happening and we just don't know it. But there's always something next. Like these pitchers are going to figure out a way to do something to manipulate the baseball, or else that's just not what baseball's been for the last 150 years. If it is a problem, though, like why why isn't professional baseball doing something about it? You think you know in these we just went through a a, a problem with Major League Baseball and you know couldn't even start the season on time. Well, Let's figure it out. If these pitchers are having problems with gripping a baseball, um, you know, let's change something. Why are the balls so slick? Yeah, that's a that's a good question. Like, I, I realize that, you know, brand new out of the box, whatever, but w- why they keep changing baseball? Like, baseball's been around for a zillion years. How many times do we need They're to redesign the baseball? You, you, want, you <laughs> want home runs hit. You don't want to see 15 strikeouts in a game. That, that's why they're changing yeah. things. I'll, I'll say this, I, I, like as much as you love the home runs, I'd like to see a double or or something that is, someone that is not steal one of the base, three. Someone's, yeah, it's anything. Yeah. Anything that is not one of the three true outcomes. You know, I, I like a home run as much as much as anything, but it, it's just enough of enough with the, this. That's the problem with baseball. And honestly, it, it's just gotten so monotonous with it's, are you striking out, walking, or hitting a home run? That's what it is uh, these days. So whatever you got to do to the baseball or sticky stuff or not, or the rules or whatever that can uh, make it make something happen. Uh, just anything happen, more action in the amount of time you got to invest watching a baseball game. I'm fine by it, whether it be cheating or otherwise. Do whatever you want to make it, <laughs> to make it more interesting uh, to watch. All right, that's going to uh, wrap things up here on uh, this Wednesday. Good delving into the NFL uh, draft a little bit. Women's lacrosse with Emily Harris, Chuck, and as mentioned, uh, tomorrow, top of the show, 3 o'clock, Orange football head coach uh, Dino Babers will be here. Get his thoughts on how spring ball went, new assistant coaches on uh, the team, and uh, where things are headed towards next year. So Dino tomorrow at 3 o'clock. John Wildhack will be with Brent Axe coming up in the next few hours. On the Block is coming up next year on QSportsTalk.com and ESPN Radio.